Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Today on Inside Politics, hours left in a fragile truce. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is on the ground in Israel right now trying to extend the pause as both Israel and Hamas say they're gearing up, ready to resume combat at a moment's notice. Plus, bullying and theater. That's how George Santos is describing tomorrow's vote to kick him out of Congress. Will his fellow Republicans keep him in his seat so they can keep their majority? And... F.U. That's what Kevin McCarthy allegedly told Donald Trump after he refused to condemn the push to oust him as speaker. The reporter with that scoop is here with all the details. I'm Dana Bash. Let's go behind the headlines and inside politics. We start with breaking news out of the Middle East. Two hostages were just released from Hamas captivity. 21-year-old Mia Shem and 40-year-old Amit Susana are finally free and safe in Israeli territory. That's according to the IDF. We are expecting more women and children to be freed from that terror group's captivity today. I want to go straight to CNN's Oren Lieberman, who is covering all of the developments from Tel Aviv. Oren. Dana, interesting that today's release began fairly early in the evening. We have seen it play out much later, generally. But this one, at least the first part of it, with the release of 21-year-old Mia Shem and 40-year-old Amit Susana, occurring even before 4 p.m. as we wait for the release of more Israeli women and children from Hamas captivity. Shortly after that, we expect to see, as we have over the course of the past six nights, the release of Palestinian prisoners, women and children held in Israeli jails. The key question here at this point with Secretary of State Antony Blinken here, can this truce be extended anymore? Are there enough women and children left in captivity to extend it for 24, 48 more hours? Or does this require an entirely new agreement to release elderly men as well as uh, soldiers, both men and women, from Hamas captivity. That might be a much larger lift, one where there may not be enough time to get that into place. It's also worth noting that today's release was, took place in Palestine Square in Gaza City, which is a symbolic square for Gaza and for Hamas. It also shows, apparently, or is a way of showing by Hamas that Israel doesn't completely control Gaza City and northern Gaza, Gaza as the IDF has claimed. Now, we'll look to see what has come out of these meetings between Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. One of the key focuses for Blinken was making sure Israel knew that the U.S. had its back and was defending its right to defend itself, but also on the importance of abiding by international law in war and the need for urgent humanitarian aid to continue flowing into Gaza, even if uh, the truce itself uh, falls apart and there is a resumption in fighting there. Blinken also met with Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas. There he emphasized uh, the need or, or the danger posed by extremist Israeli settlers in the occupied West Bank and the threat they pose not only to Palestinians but also to security in general. Dana, it is a very sensitive night as they try to extend this truce. We will absolutely keep you posted on the movements here. 
Such important reporting, especially the notion of releasing these uh, latest two hostages inside Gaza City and the symbolism uh, from the perspective of Hamas of that. Thank you so much for all that reporting, Oren. Let's now go to the White House, where MJ Lee is uh, going to give us her latest information about the administration's push to extend this truce. MJ, what are you hearing? Well, Dana, we already gathered that the negotiations to get an another day of an extension in the pause had been very messy, very fraught, and really had con come down uh, to the wire. And we are now learning more about the list of hostages to be released today. Uh, the proposal that the Israeli government accepted yesterday, we are told by sources, uh, includes uh, eight new women and children to be released today. And then together with two Israeli-Russian hostages that were released yesterday would make in total the 10 hostages uh, that would be released today or counted towards the 10 uh, that would be released today. Uh, this is all pretty unusual given that the deal specifically says that every day of the truce, 10 new hostages would have to be released. So we are seeing uh, some moving around of numbers here. Uh, we are also learning that yesterday uh, during the negotiations that were, that were incredibly tense, Hamas had made a number of other proposals that were just unacceptable to the Israeli government, uh, including the idea of seven women and children plus three bodies, uh, seven women and children plus three elderly uh, people. Uh, presumably they were men. Uh, now, uh, what are we to make of all of this? Well, basically, uh, as we see, negotiating with Hamas has been incredibly challenging, and that means that the status of this pause in the fighting uh, is incredibly precarious right now. Uh, we may really be nearing the point where uh, Hamas isn't able to produce any more women and children, and that means that there could be a restarting in the fighting, a restarting in the war in the coming days as early as this weekend, Dana. Okay, MJ, thank you so much for all of that reporting. And as we've been mentioning, just hours left in the current negotiated extended truce. So I want to talk about this with IDF spokesperson, Lieutenant Colonel Peter Lerner. Thank you so much for being here. Let's just pick, off, uh, pick up where MJ left off. Uh, is there any sense from inside Israel at this hour that Hamas will be willing to extend uh, one more day under the current guidelines, which would mean 10 more Israeli uh, hostages in exchange for 24 more hours of uh, a pause in fighting. Thanks, Dana. What I can say is that we are taking it one day at a time. We are looking at how we are progressing, how we are achieving our goal of releasing hostages and bringing people home. Um, the sense in Israel today, and I can tell you for the several hours already, um, like every night for the last seven days, is Israel's Israelis glued to the televisions glued to their sets, watching in anticipation to see who comes home, what their situation is, and seeing how the IDF and the health services are accompanying them from the uh, border area to the initial uh, medical assessment and through to the hospital services that are later picking up and, and continuing to embrace those families. Indeed, this is um, a reality. We are instructed by the government to hold our fire, uh, to conduct and implement an operational pause, mm -hmm. an operational pause that actually enables uh, the the freeing of the hostages by right. Hamas. Right. And and so the question is, will that continue? And there are uh, obviously n discussions going on, as there have been for several days each day, as this has been extended day by day. 
we've only seen women and children so far that those are under the parameters of the current deal. Do you see any possibility of men being uh, male hostages being part of anything that could happen in the near future? So it's only 7 p.m. here in Israel, so we still have a few hours to, the imp to conclude the implementation of today's uh -huh. hostage release. release. As uh, you rightly pointed out, two have been released, and we have to see what happens throughout the course of the evening. As you rightly pointed out, this morning was very, it was touch and go mm -hmm. for some, and a, very, a sense that maybe it won't happen. Um, the IDF is preparing itself for the next stages of, of the war. Uh, we have two goals in this war, to bring home the hostages, every last one of them, but also to dismantle and destroy and make sure Hamas never has the power to um, attack us, to butcher, to come into our kibbutzim, our homes, and abduct people. Um, so these two do operate hand in hand, and I would say that we wouldn't be in a situation where Hamas is actually uh, releasing hostages were it not for the military power that we well, have used. Well, let's talk about that then. Just assuming, since there is no answer, understandably, to whether this is going to be extended, this truce will be extended, assuming that it is not, the military operation resumes. Will southern Gaza be the IDF's first focus? So I don't know if it will be the first. Obviously, Hamas are present in the north of Gaza and in the south of Gaza. We are, you know, to dismantle their system, to dismantle their infrastructure, it is systematic. It has to take place strategically, and it has to take place, I would say, step by step, but more importantly, strike by strike. I wouldn't rush into any conclusions, and I would not determine that we are going to go here or there. Uh, we are, and we have approved our operational plans for the next stages, but the, the ultimate goal is to make sure that Ham Hamas never govern the Gaza Strip again as a staging ground for terrorism. Do you have any sense Every of... Every decent person that is seeing the images of the, uh, you know, the, the Bibas babies, the ginger, these beautiful ginger babies, boys, um, uh, Kfir and Ariel, um, that were abducted into Gaza on the 7th of October, um, understands that Hamas, they have this responsibility. They initiated this attack, this ruthless, merciless attack against us, and Hamas has to go. You brought up the Bibas family. Uh, Hamas, as you know, they're claiming that uh, the family, including those babies, were killed in an Israeli airstrike. Can you rule that out as a possibility? We are looking into these claims. We have to be cautious in how Hamas is, is trying to manipulate uh, public perception right. with of their. Of course they are, which I'd is why. What, what does the IDF think? Um, we, we are looking into it. We are, uh, if we, we are looking into it with our intelligence services um and i'm i would just say caution first of all caution with regard to what hamas is saying mm -hmm. uh, of course it is concerning um the bibas family are symbolic of everything we, that we've endured from hamas since the 7th of october uh, and that's why I, I brought it to the front you know th these babies that were abducted the their mother shiri th these uh, they have no place in being in gaza to begin with hamas intentionally abducted men, women, and children, um, babies, elderly. They have to come home. We have to bring them home. That is what we're doing. Lieutenant Colonel Peter Lerner, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Good day, Donna. Coming up back here in the United States, he's trying to make his case. If I leave, they win. If I leave, 
the bullies take place. This is bullying. Scandal plagued New York Congressman George Santos speaking from the Capitol steps or right outside the Capitol moments ago. He says he isn't packing his bags just yet. Another expulsion vote hangs over him, though. We'll talk about that after a break. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protest that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. Congressman George Santos is speaking out on the eve of a vote to expel him after a damning ethics committee report detailing extensive fraud allegations. Santos was defiant, vowing not to resign and accusing the Ethics Committee of bullying. They go ahead and release this this report littered, littered in hyperbole, littered in opinion that would have no decent cop would bring this to a prosecutor or a DA and say, here's our report, go ahead and charge him. Because if I leave, they win. If I leave, the bullies take place. This is bullying. The reality of it is it's all theater. It's theater for the cameras. It's theater for the microphones. It's theater for the American people at the expense of the American people because no real work's getting done. You guys like digging up stuff on me? Why don't you go dig up on other members? There's so many. It's out in the open. CNN's Manu Raju is on Capitol Hill with the latest on the efforts to oust him. My fav- one of my favorite details of this morning's event was him uh, rolling up in a Jaguar in Ferragamo shoes. But uh, you can take it from there, Manu. Yeah, that's right. I mean, look, it is still an open question about whether there are enough votes to expel George Santos. Even in face of all these allegations and evidence and findings uh, that the How- bipartisan House Ethics Committee found alleging fraud in- that Santos was involved with during his campaign, as well as all the criminal indictments and charges that he is facing, despite pleading not guilty and despite the concerns about his conduct, getting to 290 votes for his expulsion is still a tall order, in large part because the Speaker of the House indicated he has, quote, real reservations about the precedent it would set. Now, in speaking to Republicans this morning, the ones who are supporting expulsion, they simply say that it is time for him to go, calling him a con man. George Santos is doing what every con man and four-year-old does, which is uh, to ignore the truth, 
take no responsibility and point at others and suggest they're worse. It, there was a bipartisan, comprehensive ethics report. That is his due process. It is concluded, it is comprehensive, and it proves that he's a con man, a fraud, and a criminal, and he shouldn't be a member of Congress. Having him here is unbecoming of the House. And, and frankly, if Republicans aren't willing to police their own, how can we possibly uh, look at the American people in the eye and tell them that we're willing to police uh, folks on the other side of the aisle as well? But it is still a question about whether they can get there, in part because a lot of Republicans say that they don't want to set the new precedent here. This will be the first time ever someone has been kicked out of his seat, even despite not being convicted of a crime. The other ones who were expelled, the three others, were members of the Confederacy. So he would be just a sixth member ever. And of course, Dana, not lost on many Republicans is the fact if he is kicked out, that will narrow their already very tight majority in a district that Joe Biden carried. It sure would. Thank you so much, Manu. Appreciate that reporting. And here to share their reporting, Sungmin, Sungmin Kim of the Associated Press, CNN's Jeff Zeleny, Leanne Caldwell of the Washington Post. Nice to see all of you. Uh, let's start by adding to the reporting that the uh, that our esteemed colleague Manu did from Capitol Hill and play what Mike Johnson, the speaker, said about whether or not this is a vote that people in the Republican conference should take. There are people who say you have to uphold the rule of law and allow for someone to be convicted in a criminal court. There are others who say, well, upholding the rule of law uh, requires us to take this step now because some of the things that he's alleged to have done, uh, the House Ethics Committee having done their job, uh, are infractions against the House itself. And so what we've said as the leadership team is we're going to allow people to vote their conscience. I personally have real reservations about doing this. I, I'm, I'm concerned about a precedent that may be set for that. So vote your conscience, but here's my view. Yeah, trying to tip the scales there a little bit. Look, I mean, it will be, if he is expelled, it will be a short-term challenge for this uh, speaker. So you have to think that that sort of under, uh, is underlying some of this because the votes will be so few. But it's likely a longer-term advantage because George Santos would no longer be an issue in House races next year in New York, which were so critical to building this narrow House majority. But look, this is one of those votes where you're not exactly sure how it's going to go because there are so many other dynamics at play. But um, it is just extraordinary. You mentioned the Jaguar and Ferragamos. I mean, for all of the ridiculousness that's been sort of happening in the House in recent years, I mean, this really, uh, members are embarrassed by it mm -hmm. and they're just ready for him to be off the stage. Well, you mentioned how tough it is to figure out where the votes are, assuming that this happens tomorrow. Uh, one of his fellow Republicans from New York, Nick LaLotus, yesterday said that he thought 150 Republicans will vote to expel him. Here's what he is now saying. He said, people are telling us different things as to where they think the vote count is. Uh, the, vote, the vote count is out. I've spoken with a decent amount of people, and I feel like we'll get to two-thirds, but it might be close. Yeah. Translation, they have no idea. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I, I think that's right. And I think that the precedent setting is something that uh, Speaker Johnson mentioned and is causing some members heartburn. As Manu said, no one has been kicked out of the House before they have been convicted. Um, of course, Santos is charged with 23 federal crimes, but he hasn't been convicted mm -hmm. yet. Uh, so we'll see. We know the Democrats are going to vote. We know that the New Yorkers are going to vote to kick him out. They want to not be associated with him anymore, but it could be a close vote. And it is happening 
the day that Speaker Johnson is heading to New York for a major weekend of fundraising. Mm -hmm. He's uh, introducing himself to all these big New York donors. Um, so there could be some, uh, it, it might be good news for him to go there with George Santos no longer in Congress. Yeah, no, this has just been, I mean, I don't know. I think we've kind of run out of words to describe how this episode has progressed. I do think it's lucky for Mike Johnson that the Speaker of the House doesn't actually traditionally vote on legislation, mm -hmm. so he can kind of say what he wants at a press conference, but he doesn't, doesn't have to actually take a position. So that's why you see kind of him trying to acknowledge, obviously, the concerns that he's getting from his moderate Republicans and many Republicans in the conference who are just sick of this guy and want him to leave the Congress, but also acknowledging the concerns from conservatives. We have Clay Higgins, a fellow Louisianan, point out the precedent issue in a detailed letter to his colleagues he's trying to appeal to those uh appeal to that part of the conference as well because the one thing that johnson and other republicans can't ignore that for george santos for all his drama he has been a very reliable conservative vote he's not necessarily yeah. someone that who gives uh, leadership a heartache when it comes to these really close votes okay everybody stand by we're going to go uh, back to politics the 2024 politics of it all and there of course was a big big endorsement several big endorsements for nikki haley this week she just launched her first television ad from inside her campaign plus donald trump is once again setting his sights on obamacare but are the former president's allies happy with his latest target i'll give you a hint it's two words <laughs> new reporting next Nikki Haley's presidential campaign is launching its first television ad of the Republican primary season. The 30-second spot, called Moral Clarity, is part of the candidate's massive $10 million ad campaign that will air in New Hampshire and Iowa. Listen to part of it. A president must have moral clarity and know the difference between good and evil. It's time for a new generation of conservative leadership. We have to leave behind the chaos and drama of the past and strengthen our country, our pride, and our purpose. Our panel is back here with us. And uh, Jeff Zeleny, you have been out in the campaign trail. You have been uh, talking to voters, and you've been on the, on the trail uh, even this week with right. Nikki Haley. Uh, it seems as though, I mean, our, our friend David Chalian said, you know, we all wish we had a week like Nikki Haley is having this right. week. Mm -hmm. uh, and she certainly is feeling the wind at her back. The question is what she's going to do with it. This is one of the first answers. Right. And she'll be happy to have a good week in January, not in November. Yeah. I mean, so that's the whole point of this. Uh, what does it uh, matter? But it matters in the sense that she's certainly getting hot at the right moment when people are paying attention and we're sort of sitting around here thinking, how can this be her first TV ad? It's almost December. <laughs> but uh, look, she has struggled throughout the year and they've been very uh, uh, careful spending money. Now is the time when voters in Iowa, New Hampshire are paying attention. So she's introducing herself. I'm struck by one thing at a few of her events this week, she asks people in her rooms and her rallies, how many of you are seeing me for the first time? Hmm. And more than half of the crowd raised their hands. Oh, I was so struck by that in Derry, New Hampshire, just uh, on Tuesday evening at the Opera House, where we've all been mm -hmm. to so many events over the years. So people are just tuning in. So she's trying to introduce yeah. herself through this ad, but she's also making the point, she's like, it's time to leave behind the chaos and the drama. Mm -hmm. Of course, the translation for that is Donald Trump. She's trying to walk this tightrope again between uh, you know, appealing to anyone but Trump Republicans mm -hmm. and sounding okay to those who actually like Donald Trump. Yeah, and of course, we should say this is the first ad from her own campaign. For sure. Her campaign, like, or she, like 
all the other candidates have super PACs that have been uh, airing ads and doing all kinds of spending. So I, we talked about her good week. A uh, lot of new donors, the biggest are the Koch brothers, and there are also some very important names who are coming out for, uh, for her. Kane Langone uh, talked about it earlier this week. Wall Street titan Jamie Dimon said this, even if you're a liberal Democrat, I urge you, help Nikki Haley too. Get a choice on the Republican side that might be better than Trump. Right, really fascinating words from Jamie Dimon there. Another huge endorsement too is the endorsement of the Koch Network, which goes, you know, not just picking up the backing of a, a massive uh, conservative organization. But what I think is really key for Nikki Haley here is just the organizational grassroots power that the Koch Network has particularly, and that they're gonna deploy in New Hampshire on her behalf. So I think that, look, you know, I think we've all been kind of I don't know if presuming is the right word, but thinking that Donald Trump, Donald Trump is on the way to uh, getting the Republican nomination again, but it is still too early to count Nikki, uh, Nikki Haley out. And as Jeff said, she does seem to be peaking at the right time. And what I find really interesting is that she started to have, um, her momentum, I feel like, started to rise after the first debate where mm -hmm. she started to do very well. And she hasn't dipped. She's just kind of been yeah. on the steady trajectory up. And it'd be really interesting to see how far that goes. But the person who is still far and away the front runner is Donald Trump. And he uh, got the attention of the Biden campaign and kind of everybody else this week when he put out the following on his social media platform. I don't want to terminate Obamacare. I want to replace it with a much, with much better health care. Obamacare sucks. Uh, that, I mean, really subtle. That, uh, as I said, caught the attention of the Biden campaign. They already have an ad cut. Let's listen to that. Thanks to President Biden and Vice President Harris, families can afford medication now. The Biden administration lowered the cost of prescription drugs and passed laws to make healthcare more affordable. The idea that we could go back to the policies that help the rich get richer and left so many people behind, I don't want to go back. I can't go back. Okay, so backstory obviously is we all lived for years and years uh, the promise to repeal Obamacare, which yeah. was never uh, found. They never did it. They couldn't do it for lots of reasons. And uh, the Republicans, now that Obamacare has been in place for so long, uh, is now something that people see as something that they, uh, that, that they like, they don't want to take away. Uh, our colleagues here have reporting some Republicans sound alarm after Trump revives focus on Obamacare. Republicans are really unhappy about this. Kristen Holmes and others say healthcare was a loser in 2018 and it's a loser now. Talk about the border, talk about the economy, talk about no more foreign wars. Don't talk about healthcare. These are Republicans that they are speaking to. Yeah, remember when the House voted I, several dozen times to repeal Obamacare mm -hmm. and never was signed into law, oddly. Um, and the infamous John McCain thumbs down, yeah. tried it, done it, failed. <laughs> so no one has been talking about Obamacare as a campaign issue for years since that 2018 losing campaign for uh, congressional uh, Republicans. Uh, and so the White House, the Biden campaign, and Democrats are, are thrilled. They want this to yeah. be a campaign issue. It's something they can run on that is good. Because they 
won back the majority mm -hmm. the last time, not talking about Donald Trump when he was in the White House, but really talking about the fear of uh, taking people's health care away. Okay, everybody stand by because, Leanne, we've got some new reporting that you were responsible for. We'll talk about that. Kevin, McCar Kevin McCarthy allegedly dropping the F-bomb during a tense phone call with Donald Trump. A closer look at what sparked the frenemies feud. Next. Hacks is coming back, and so is the official Hacks podcast. With us, your hosts. I'm Paul W. Downs. I'm Jen Statsky. And I'm Lucia Aniello. We're the creators and showrunners. Each week on the podcast, we'll break down the new episodes. We'll also have special guests, cast and crew from the show, like Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart. Hacks Season 3 is available to stream now on Max. Be sure to listen wherever you get your podcasts or listen directly on Max. We're getting a new glimpse inside the roller coaster relationship between former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and former President Donald Trump. Today, The Washington Post is reporting a phone call between Trump and McCarthy after McCarthy was ousted from the speakership. The reporting is, during the call, Trump lambasted McCarthy for not expunging his two impeachments and not endorsing him in the 2024 presidential campaign. That's according to people familiar with the conversation. Quote, F.U., McCarthy is claimed to have then told Trump. I want to bring back our panel on this, including Leanne Caldwell, because, Leanne, this is your reporting. Very interesting that he is, he, McCarthy, is telling people that he told the former president to blank off. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, and so the McCarthy team says there were no curse words that were said, but this is how McCarthy is recounting this conversation. And it was a tense conversation in the sense that McCarthy said, why didn't you save me? Why didn't you do anything when I was being ousted? And Trump said, well, why didn't you endorse me? Why haven't you expunged my impeachments? And so it was a very tense phone call. But uh, my colleague Paul Kane reminded me this morning that this is a similar interpretation that McCarthy had after January 6th, mm -hmm. when he said that he had a very, he, you know, cursed out the president um, after January 6th saying, what were you doing? What were you thinking? And then the president had said on the record that no, that was not the, how that phone call went. So it's just very interesting in their relationship. They have talked and they have texted since our sources tell us. And also the relationship between Trump and McCarthy has always been on again and off again. Sometimes it's codependent and sometimes it's uh, not on great terms. Codependent, I feel like there's one picture that speaks volumes right. about that term codependent and I don't even need to probably explain to my, there you go, I don't even need to say it to the control <laughs> yes. room because everybody knows what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, codependent, uh, January, the end of January uh, 2021 after you said, Leanne, that he recounted some tough words with the uh, president, former president. He goes down to Mar-a-Lago and he, he might as well have been holding a life raft there because that's <laughs> what Kevin McCarthy was giving yes. to former President Donald Trump something 22 days after the insurrection, a week after he left office. Trump was on the verge of becoming isolated and marginalized by Republicans and Kevin McCarthy revived him, resuscitated him and here we are. But loyalty is a one-way street as the former speaker is yeah. finding out. McCarthy also spoke at the New York Times Deal Book Summit mm -hmm. uh, and talked more about, in his own words, we have about his relationship with Donald 
Donald Trump. He said, I have an interesting relationship with Trump. I do not criticize him on television because I don't think it's right and I know it drives him crazy. And I don't know I'll have any influence if you do that. But my personal conversations with him, we have very clear personal conversations. <laughs> right, right. Well, interesting. I think we can all agree that that's accurate, that they do have very interesting uh, interactions. But, you know, like Jeff said, it's just there are so many other instances where, um, you know, loyalty has not translated uh, for Donald Trump in the way that you would think. Because if Kevin McCarthy is the person who is broadly credited or blamed for resuscitating Trump after the insurrection, then you would think that per particularly when uh, McCarthy is having his own political troubles that Trump would exert some of that influence over House Republicans in terms of trying to keep Kevin McCarthy in power but he didn't do that and they are where they are um, and it's just your the reporting was fascinating it's just this another chapter in chronicling this very up and down relationship that we've seen for some time now while we're on the subject of Kevin McCarthy we talked about the balance of power in the context of George Santos and if he is ousted the Republicans will have one fewer vote question is also whether Kevin McCarthy is going to stay. Obviously very different reasons from George Santos. Uh, let's just remind people you see on the screen there, 222 to 213. Here's another thing that McCarthy said on that topic uh, to the New York Times. If I decide to run again, I have to know my heart, in my heart I'm giving 110%. I have to know that I want to do that. I also have to know if I'm going to walk away, that I'm going to be fine with walking away. If you just got thrown out of speaker, you'd go through different stages, would you not? And then you got to turn around and make a decision. Yeah. So the decision time is coming. In California, you have till December 8th to file for re-election. Because he's an incumbent, he's given an extra five days, so he has until December 13th. And my sources tell me that he is, he is seriously contemplating leaving, but he hasn't made that decision yet. Okay, guys, thanks. Great discussions, great reporting. Appreciate it. Uh, up ahead, we're going to speak with an Israeli man who's relieved some of his family members have been released by Hamas, but they are still holding out hope for one other family member still inside Gaza being held hostage. We'll be right back. After seven weeks, an enormous sigh of relief for one family in Israel. That's Hadass Calderon reacting to news that her children, 12-year-old Erez and 16-year-old Sahar, were being released by Hamas. The children have since been reunited with their mom, siblings, and some extended family. Their father, Ofer, is still being held hostage, though. Joining me now is Hadass's cousin, Ido Don. Ido, you were, look at that smile on your face. We were talking during the break, and you were smiling, and I, I don't... I don't think I've seen you smile, understandably so, and we've spoken several times. Uh, I know that you've seen the children, Erez and Sahar, since they were released. You were at the hospital with them. How are they doing? Well, the, the, first of all, um, I cannot even express the joy and happiness and relief that I'm feeling with all of the, the extended family. Um, they came thinner, pale, their eyes a little bit, you know, I can't really express that, but it seems like, you know, these eyes 
tell a story um, that we'll ha- we will have to release to kind of um, unveil uh, as you know step by step very slowly because we don't want to uh, to kind of um, trigger the trauma so we've been um, advised to actually mm-hmm. not interrogate them or, or ask them too many questions just to hug them be with them feel their heartbeats um, you know just smell their hair and, 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 and hug them and that's what I did and actually I, I, I'm afraid I did a little bit too strong <laughs> because <laughs> I couldn't control my hugs I hope I didn't break any bone there. Um, but uh, I know but they're, you, very, they're just superheroes. I know that uh, you have been told not to, in your words, interrogate them, kind of let them uh, take their time and reveal what they want about their time in captivity. Did they offer anything without being asked? Well, they did say, I mean, they were very... Um, nervous and they feel it seems like they went through a lot um, and they said that um, they were scared to death that's what they said and the second thing they told me is um, what's up with our dad with offer Calderon I mean is he coming back too and I promised them that he will and um, we are you know we keep that's that's the I mean it's unbearable that we have to you know we had to mourn Carmela and Noya last month and now we have the joy of them coming and if it's not enough we're still very worried uh, about offer because he's still in danger so it's it's pretty amazing that that you know this this situation doesn't let us really celebrate mm. we just pause for 24 hours we celebrate and then we continue full power um, to bring him and, and actually to bring the rest of the uh, of the hostages because we became you know all of the hostages families became like one family mm-hmm. because of this you know mutual faith sure uh, faith sorry and and we, and we now we're now working together to bring them but the kids themselves I think that physically it's reversible they seem strong physically um what we don't know yet is the depth of the trauma and 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 what they've been through yeah um but they are real heroes uh, we did, they did tell us one thing I mean they did tell us Two stories I cannot really reveal them because of uh, we've been asked by the Secret Service not to tell it on TV um, but I can just share with you that their wit and humor saved them at least twice mm. during during uh, um, this period and, and they are just just amazing kids um, it's it just unbelievable that they went through this and and they're still uh, in mental fits as it seems and Um, but again, we'll have to take it step by step in their own pace. You, you mentioned that their father, Ofer, is still inside Gaza, is still a hostage. Any information uh, about his, uh, his whereabouts? And would you like the Israeli government to extend the truce until all remaining hostages, including their father, is released? Well, this is this is an awesome question thank you for asking that um, <clears throat> sorry in fact um, first of all I cannot really reveal what we know about his whereabouts mm-hmm. and his status right now uh, we do know uh, some um, but we do think that Israel must uh, exhaust this period 
to release as many hostages as possible, ultimately all of the hostages, before it continues um, to eradicate Hamas, uh, ISIS, and all this uh, you know, threat for the future. Because, you know, the mission of fighting against Hamas is is, is long-term yeah. goal to protect citizens. Um, and right now we have citizens in captivity and, and they have to be released as soon as possible. And actually we had a lot of pressure on the Israeli government to right. do so. And we're very, very happy that they're doing, though, that they're doing that. Well, that's good uh, that you... I, ju- I just want to say one thing, Dana. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Okay, one, one thing I, I do want to thank um, personally, President Biden and uh, Roger Carstens for their okay. continuous support, and also Qatar and Egypt, who played pivotal role in, in that um, uh, in that effort in, in, in the release that we're uh, seeing right now, and we're very very uh, grateful for them, and also for Macron, uh, President the French President uh, Emmanuel you. Macron and his uh, team in Israel, and 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 we just think that all this pressure. And all the, the, you right. know, the good will of many, many countries brought Saharan areas back to our arms and to well, the mom's Well, arms. thank you for adding all of that. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on with your smile. We do understand it's bittersweet. Thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you for joining Inside Politics. CNN New Central starts after a break. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking. Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.